Hello, everyone. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast, where every week, Jeff Glover and his coaches will dive deep into questions that you are asking. They understand the challenges you are facing on a day-to-day basis and still work every day on the front lines of real estate, with Jeff and his team closing over a thousand homes per year. In today's episode, Jeff is joined on stage by Taylor Kerrigan, operations manager for all of the Live Unreal companies, to talk all about easy marketing strategies you can implement into your business. Taylor has been at the helm of the company's lead generation strategies, so she shares with us today how to actually execute them. Now, let's hear from Jeff and Taylor. Okay, so obviously we've spent the entire day today on marketing and branding and social media, and that's not something that we do on a regular basis. So if I'm in the audience and I'm taking all these notes on the 22-step plan, I kind of want to know, all right, what are one or two things that I can implement right away and start to see results with right away? Because the reality is no one in here is going to implement all 22 in in one month or even in that 16-week program. I mean, you're going to get the value of the program, and then from there, you're going to implement, you know, over the next year or so. So we talked backstage about what, what are some things that we can share that are easily implementable, if that's even a word, that are easily imp- impl- implemented, implemented um, and can also lead to listings right away. And so we wrote out a list of things that we believe that we have done a pretty good job of. We're seeing results from these and getting listing referrals and listing leads and listing opportunities from them. So let's go ahead and dig, in, dig into that. I think it's also important to mention some of the things that we're gonna share are, you know, when, when Kate and you and I were backstage, we were talking about what are things that people can do marketing-wise that doesn't cost a lot. Marketing is not just billboard and radio and TV advertising. You don't need a big budget to implement a marketing plan. And so we specifically picked things that are easily implemented. See? I almost did it. Implementable. The L L throws you off and easily. (laughs) And also low cost. Mm -hmm. So why don't we start with um, a very hot topic, and that is Facebook groups. So we've been promoting Facebook groups. We've had panels on stage talking about Facebook groups. We've had a lot of great conversations around Facebook groups for the last couple years. And we have modified our strategy just a little bit with Facebook groups. And so talk to to the audience about what we're doing to to have success with Facebook groups. So do you prefer we start with very important clients or neighborhood? Uh, Let's do with client, since client is the new one for us. So we implemented a very important client Facebook group, and our our thought process behind this, and we only implemented it, what, maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago? The client Facebook group? Not yeah. even. I think oh, it was yeah. like 12 months ago. Yeah, around there. So we started thinking, you know, as neighborhood groups became more popular, we saw our clients commenting in neighborhood Facebook groups saying, hey, I need a plumber, or hey, do you, who do you recommend for HVAC, or hey, I need a, you know, a new um, orthodontist in the neighborhood, you know, who do you recommend? And he and I started talking and we said, why are we letting our clients ask other people for referrals? You know, why aren't we trying to get in front of them first? And one of the things that you'll learn, you know, my like personal customer service motto is what can I do so a client never calls me first? Well, in this case, what can I do so a client doesn't have to reach out to anyone else? I am their number one resource. And so that's how we kind of thought up the very important client Facebook group. And our intention there was let's invite all of our clients and have all of our number one supporters in one spot 
where if they need anything and related to their home and related to their life, whatever it is, they know that they can go there. And nine times out of 10, it's gonna be one of our agents who comments first or it's going to be another client who's obviously a big supporter of us. Mm -hmm. And, by the way, they also are constantly getting those notifications that there's posts on that Facebook group. So indirectly, they are seeing our name once a day, twice a day, three times a day, and on top of the other marketing that we're doing. Mm -hmm. So it was really complimentary, and the best part, it costs nothing. You know, maybe you, you pay something to get the word out, as far as you know, alerting them of the group, whether that's a mailer or whatever, and we can dive deeper on that. But as far as the actual cost of the Facebook group, as long as nothing changes with Facebook, it's 100% free. Yeah. So how do we get people into the group? Because that would be my number one question. Yeah. And I've, I've seen our faith, it's only been around for, like we said, a year, and we have hundreds of people in there now, and mm-hmm. probably have the potential to get that into the thousands. Mm-hmm. How are we getting people or enticing people to join the group? So... Um, when we talk about it more in our database plan, which we'll cover in a minute, every single one of those database touches that we're making, we're mentioning the Facebook group. So we're making sure that we're driving as much traffic as we can to have them join the group. But then also when we host events, again, we'll talk about that in the database plan, you have to sign up for the event by being in the Facebook group. The link to that event is in the group. So a prime example is last fall we did... um, 15-minute photo shoots in like a a park. And in order to pick your 15-minute slot, you had to go in the Facebook group and click the Calendly link and sign up that way. That was your only option. We wouldn't email it out. So maybe we had one client who wasn't on Facebook that we had to send it to, but for the majority of all of our other clients, all of them immediately requested to join that group for that reason. Because of the perk. Right. So we talk about, and I think I, maybe I said this earlier today, you have to come from value, right? So with that group, we were thinking, okay, how can we provide value to them? Because if we provide value, they'll want to be in it. And so that was a prime example. Hey, we're going to host this free client event. There's the value, but you must join this group. Mm-hmm. So um, the, the client events are the value of joining. Why else would somebody join? Resources. Um, you know, we, do, we also do giveaways. So I'm really big on those funny national holidays. I should have looked up what today is before I got up here, but you know, like National Margarita Day, National Chocolate Chip Cookie Day, National Popcorn Day, whatever it is, we try to look like every two weeks and pick one of those national holidays and do a giveaway surrounding it. So yes, the gift itself maybe costs us 25, 30, 40 yeah. bucks, but we'll say like, hey, you're, you're saying you always, the one the example you use is like, comment below with your favorite tequila for National Margarita Day and Jeff will buy you a bottle. Yeah. So of course everyone picks the $150 bottle of tequila, right? <laughs> right. But, but it, yeah. it gets them commenting yeah. and the commenting creates engagement and the engagement keeps the post at the top yep. and the engagement causes other people to see it. Yeah. And then yeah, you draw. And by the way, how do you notify them that they won? You go live in, in the, the Facebook group, right? You can go live publicly on Facebook, and you can go live also in Facebook groups. So when you go live in the group, everyone gets notified that you're live in that group. And if they know that every couple weeks you're giving something away, then that's an opportunity to create a notification. A notification means an impression, and an impression means a potential future lead opportunity. Yeah, so I think one of the concerns that some agents have, you know, obviously you have a really big business. We, we sell, you know, 1,000 homes a year. Some people are concerned about creating one of these groups if you haven't sold thousands of homes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. 
you know, a very important client Facebook group doesn't necessarily mean that they all have to be clients. Invite your friends, invite your family. No one knows, unless you guys have the same last name, that that's your mom or your cousin or whatever. Invite, you know, your, your sphere of influence, so to say, in this Facebook group, and you can go quickly from, you know, zero to having a couple hundred if yeah. you do that. And by the way, those people that you're inviting, that's your, your sphere, are probably also your biggest cheerleaders, which will naturally help that involvement with your clients. <clears throat> My recommendation would be, especially if you have a smaller business currently or you're not selling thousands of homes a year, is just similar to what you said, but also add your exchanges in there. Yeah. Right? So invite your exchanges. Those are the second closest to sphere of influence and past clients in terms of in order of priority. And those will be future clients and, of course, future referrals. So uh, you create the Facebook group, and it's you know just you know very important clients, and of course um, you know if you're an agent on a team, we recommend that you're very active in your team's Facebook group, or if your brokerage has one, be active in that, of course, so you get more visibility as well. Um, is there anything else that we do that you can think of again, because you're kind of the logistics person, you and Taylor are the other Taylor, that we do to get people to say, yep, I want to be in the group. I mean, it's really presenting ourselves as the number one resource. I know, um, you know, Sarita is in the room. I know Sarita as Ask Sarita, right? Like, she's pegged herself as this value that if any of her clients or her friends need anything, it's Ask Sarita. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a little bit of the same of just making sure that they know that if they need anything, regardless of what it is, that this is a resource that they can go to. And by the way, I think part of the reason why they would want to use it is because you have the option between going to your realtor's Facebook group that you trust your realtor and you trust the people that they work with, or the random city Facebook group that you maybe don't necessarily know everyone and mm -hmm. can trust those recommendations as yep. well as you can this one. Yep, yep, I like that. All right, let's shift gears to the uh, neighborhood Facebook groups, which those have been out longer, I guess, or people have been talking about them more. I know we've been active in neighborhood Facebook groups longer than we've been active in our client Facebook group. Yeah. So what are, what are some things that you're seeing with those and some, some changes and some new ways of, of attracting clients and, and getting business from neighborhood Facebook groups? So I'll talk about mine personally. Um, I live in a neighborhood of about 800. I live in a, a condo complex, and there's about 800 condos in our complex. And when I moved in, I realized that they only had a Facebook page. They didn't have a Facebook group. And so naturally, I'm like, OK, I'm going to create it, and then everyone's going to have to join my Facebook group. And so it was really funny because I started it, and just like I said with the um, very important client Facebook group, at first it was just me, my mom, and my sister <laughs> in the group, and I'm like, okay, this doesn't look good. So I, I, I sent out a postcard, and um, if you've been to any of our 21 Ways sessions, you've seen a copy of what my postcard looks like. I, I should have had them throw it up on the screen. It um, is very non-branded to a Generic. real estate agent. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. you would never know that it was me that sent it out. In fact, it actually looks like it could have came from the association. Yeah, I actually got yelled at for that, but that's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Now they love me, so. Be careful with that one. Yeah, so I sent out this very generic Facebook postcard, which by the way, you know, the question is, okay, how do you get everyone's contact info? You use something like, you know, a Cole Realty, Land Voice, um, I just went in our MLS and just pulled public record data of mm -hmm. everyone in so my subdivision. Neighborhood data. Yeah. Yep. And also a lot of associations have association handbooks with people's information too. That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Maybe we do. Um, and so I sent out a postcard to everyone and we quickly grew the group. So now we're, we're teetering right between five and 600 people now in this group. By the way, I'm the only admin. I'm the only person who runs it. And so 
the, the benefit there is where the mindset previously was, you know, the homeowners association actually reached out to me and said, hey, you, you can't do this. You know, you're not on the homeowners association board. And I said, I'm sorry, I thought of it first and continued to run it. And now they come to me asking me to post things that are going on in the homeowners association. Well, I'm not posting from a page, I'm posting from my personal Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And so naturally they're putting my name in recognition with this neighborhood Facebook group. And by the way, they also see me at my neighborhood events where I'm wearing a Jeff Glover and Associates shirt. So naturally now, uh, people are reaching out to me and saying like, hey, you know, I see what, thanks for running the Facebook group. I see your market updates that you post in there once a month. Um, I just had a lady reach out a, a week or so ago. She wants to downsize from a, a colonial condo to a, a ranch and she asked for my help. Sure, no problem, mm -hmm. you know. So um, how often do you market in there? How often do you ask for business? Once a month. Well, Max. hold on. Market and ask for business once a month? No, you should No, no, with the marketing update, I'm sorry. That was a rhetorical question. Yes, sorry. Never. Yes, never. I never ask for business in there. No. I post the marketing update once a month, but it's never, if you're looking to buy or sell, contact me. My text for it is, here's what's going on in our neighborhood currently. And why don't you ask for business? Uh, because I don't think, I think if I'm coming from value, they naturally want to work with me and I don't need to ask for business. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm posting things in there. We do a lot of like food trucks. Um, we just actually had our 50th anniversary this past weekend. And so it was a lot of promotions that I was doing for that. It's a lot of, hey, I need a painter. Um, I was, we have a parakeet that is running around our, or flying around our neighborhood that no one knows who owns the parakeet. And so it's like a hunt of the parakeets in my backyard today <laughs> and then trying to figure out who owns it. But like, it's all things like that that are now just happening organically, but I'm the one managing it and I'm the one who's commenting the most in it. So naturally everyone knows that they private message me if they need anything in mm -hmm. relation to the Facebook group. But that's, that's 800 units and, and personally like this complex, it's a 200, you know, thousand average price point, 180 to 200, mm -hmm. and it's a it's a middle home for a lot of people. So it's a great, you know, turnover yeah. as far as business goes. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to you don't want to get too salesy in the group. Otherwise, people will will not want to be in the group, right? Mm -hmm. People don't want to be sold, and so that's why everything that you do to get them in there looks generic. Um, the, the value that you're providing is 100, percent you know, just a, a service to the community and if you drop the market stats in there one time per month, that's okay. I would say that would be the most that you would talk about real estate in there. Or, you know, we've Every heard- Every so often I post like a coming soon. Like if I see it on the MLS, I'll see that mm -hmm. a listing's coming soon. Or where I actually try to target it more is when I know a property has closed, I'll actually reach out to the new homeowner and let them know of the Facebook group and ask for permission welcoming them into the group. So, you know, welcome Mr. and Mrs. Smith. You know, they just moved in on Lagoon Court. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone welcome them to the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit more than that. And also when I do that, they think that I sold them the house. <laughs> right, right, yeah. yep, love that. Uh, what else on the neighborhood Facebook group are you seeing success with? Or are you seeing agents have success with? Specifically referring to neighborhood Facebook groups. You know, it's creating a community. I think one of the common um, misconceptions that a lot, of, a lot of agents have is that they think that they can't create a Facebook group if their community already has one. Mm -hmm. And I think what they don't realize is, you use this example of the, all the time, you know, if you live in a golf community, why don't you create like the golfing dads of you know, Walnut Creek or whatever, mm -hmm. um, or the moms of Highland Lakes or whatever, you know, how can you make it more of a niche? 
And so that way, if there actually is already a Facebook group that's managed by the homeowners association or another person, you can still get a little bit more targeted. And yes, you may not have as many members in the group, but at least you'll be able to still have that engagement that you're able to you know, market to them. And again, this is 100% free. My only cost that I had was sending out two sets of postcards to 800 people twice. Mm -hmm. And then now, because the homeowners association now wants my help after they tried to kick me out, um, they <laughs> promote it for me. So the, they reach out to you now saying, hey, yeah. we know you have a yeah. lot of people. Hey, in Taylor, um, we have our 50th anniversary tonight. Can you please promote our food trucks? <laughs> and then I make an image for them and I post it and then they go and post it on their public page. Yep. But yeah. And then you show up to the event and you create relationships. Correct. And somewhere along the lines, a Facebook group comes up and you say, oh, you got to get in the group. Got to get in the group. Here's how you find it. Yeah. And get more people in the group, people yeah. who aren't. So it kind of spreads by word of mouth. Now I keep for our board of directors too, so then that way they, they have me even more. But Perfect. then they can't kick me out again, right? <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Change the rules. Change yes. the association yeah. rules. Yes. All right, good. So um, anything else on that that you want to share? No, I mean, honestly, if we're talking about like what are the quickest, like what could I go home tomorrow and implement? Those first two, you could do both of those tomorrow. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, you're going to have to have some sort of implementation of getting the word out about it. But as far as actually going and creating it, it doesn't take very much. You know, it's creating a little bit of ground rules. One of the biggest things is let, only letting people in in that community. I have a ton of people from neighboring subdivisions that request to join. You have to give me your address when you're joining the group, and I actually cross-check it against public record before I let that person in. And that's one of the value adds that I give to the people joining my community group is you're not gonna be sold, you know, the dog walker two subdivisions over. Everyone that is in our, our Facebook group is actually in our community. Yep, great, love that. Um, when you think about it, and I, I know we have some notes here, so I, I promised great. you I would put you on the spot, so be ready. I'm used to it. Okay. <laughs> when you think about um, some of the things that we've talked about today when it comes to marketing, online, social media, database management, that sort of thing, what are some things that you're really proud of that you've implemented or Taylor Cornfield has implemented with JGA as it relates to those conversations? You know, I really think it's consistency. I think that... Um, you know, we used to talk about, I will never remember the conversation. You actually yelled at me this day. Where you... Let's we be were clear. I, don't, I get stern. I don't yell. Okay. Um, but, <laughs> well, no. We were just in the VIP are, lunch. Are you kidding me? Question mark? We were in the VIP lunch, and Kate said, I don't think I've ever heard Jeff raise his voice. So yelling is raising your voice. I don't okay. raise my voice. All right, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, one of the things that we, we discovered a couple years ago is we went to go do a, a database mailing, and you actually continue to see, yes, you may not yell, but you bring it up every single year, so you're actually right. So you always had said, Taylor, why, you know, I've been in business for X amount of years. We've sold 1,000 homes you know, the last two or three years. How do we only have 3,000 people in our database? And then I had to remind you that before I came along, you never actually had a database. You just sold homes and never actually reached out to them again after that. Accurate. And you did have one, but you actually did it on a computer, and then that, that computer like crashed, and then yeah. you lost it all. So yeah. you were a little bit there. That's true. So I'd say one of the things is consistency, right? So one of the things that we quickly identified when I joined Jeff's team is that you know we have to make sure 100% of the time that people are going into the database. And I work with a lot of agents that are trying to implement operations and processes and procedures into their business. And I quickly find out 
they, they, add, they pick and choose, right, who they're putting in their database. It's 100% of the time. It's 100% the orphan client, which we could talk about that if, if we want some clarity on orphans. But you're putting both of those in the database 100% of the time, and then you're creating your database plan, and you're following it to a T. You're not, you know, oh my gosh, I'm just so busy this July, I can't yeah. get out my whatever letter. No, it's happening, and it's happening 100% of the time. Otherwise, the one time you don't do it is going to be the time that that someone emergency has to sell their home and doesn't think about you because you weren't top of mind. That's right. Yep. So um, you made you made the mention to the database plan, and I shared earlier that you know we our time is valuable, their time is valuable. We don't want to spend a ton of time duplicating content that we've already put out, such as the database formula. This will be the last time I mention this, so sorry. You can go get our entire database plan in the inner circle. We, we spent three days in Orlando, Florida talking about it. However, we have made some tweaks to it. And so my question to you is, in your mind, what do you think is one or two of the most effective things we do in the four, it's called the four by two by one by 12. Just one or two things that we do that you think are most effective and that we're most consistent with and that we would probably never give up. Um. I would say our number one most effective is our, our client event. Mm -hmm. Event, you know, we do. If you remember when Jeff draws the four, you know, the, the formula, he puts a star by the one. We have one big event a year, and then our agents have many events throughout the year. And so, the one big event that we do a year, the reason why I think it's so effective is one, we've created a really cool event that people look forward to. We personally do Detroit Tigers opening day, and we throw a big party. So you saw the party we threw last night. Imagine having you know, 800 of your clients there. The way that we get to 800 is we will probably invite maybe like 400 clients. We'll invite the whole database, and probably about 400 clients will come up or register. So let's just say, for instance, by the way, we know the percentage. It's, it's hardly more than 10 or 15% that respond. Mm -hmm. So if we have a database of, say, 4,000 today or 5,000 today, so don't be afraid. You heard somebody else say this on the stage today. Uh, I think it was Greg. Don't be afraid, or it wasn't Greg, it was somebody else. Don't be afraid to invite your entire database. There's only a certain percentage that are going to respond. Mm -hmm. And if you're, if you're like me and, and they don't like you, then not many of them are going to respond. So that's why we have a lower percentage, right? Well, I just They like you now. I, I'm they doing better now, but I just yeah. wasn't doing anything. I wasn't adding any value. I wasn't sending anything to them. I wasn't calling them. I wasn't doing anything. So It's actually a coincidence. Someone called Jeff the other day to list their house, and they said that they um, were a past client of yours for, like, what? 10 years ago 2003, my first like. year in the business. And I'm yeah. like, how did you remember about them? Like, you're clearly <laughs> you're not, not in the database. You're not even in our database. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, no, it, 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 our percentage, when, it, when it's a big client event like that, might only be 10 or 15%. Yours might be higher. Maybe you'll get to 20 or 25% if you've done a better job than we have. But still, it's, it's not going to be 100% of the people responding and saying, yep, I want a ticket to this event. I think it's effective that out of the database plan is the most effective, though, because we also encourage every single client of ours to bring a guest. So, for example, with that, that um, opening day event, they get four tickets. Two of them are for them, and two of them are for them to bring a couple or two friends. And so what instantly ends up happening is, you know, Jeff gave me crap about our database. Guess how I doubled that database really quick, right? By doing events like this to where we were encouraging them to bring another family or bring another couple. And we were instantly putting them in our database. And because they went to an event and because they, once again, got value from us, they have that rapport with us that they you know, start to not consider another yeah. agent. And now because they're in the database, they're getting invited next year and they're yeah. getting our, our, our emails and our, yeah. our letters. 
So we've had a lot of people mention events. So I do think there's some value in spending some time on, in your mind, what do you think makes our event great? Not necessarily like the venue or the, the theme of Detroit Tigers opening day, but what are some things that we do during the event that causes people to refer us, to take action, to remember us, to, 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 to call us and list their house? What are okay. some unique things about the actual event? Because if I'm in the audience and I keep hearing client events, all right, fine, I'll do a client event. Or if I'm in the audience and I'm already doing client events, tell me how I can do a better client event. So a couple things. Um, again, it's coming from value, and I think you probably feel, I would hope you feel the same when you come to these events. We want it to be an experience. It wasn't just you know going to a Tigers game and then you forget about it two or three days later. People know our Detroit Tigers opening day. We have agents actually begging to come to our Detroit Tigers opening day because it's such a good party. And I think it goes back to when we look at that event, again, it, it needs to be an experience. You know, What does the ticket look like? What do they get when they walk in? I was previewing some of your Stump the Chump cards for tomorrow to make sure they were extra hard. <laughs> when someone asked the Let's question do it. of um, what do you like put in the swag bags? Well, and for our event, for example, we put you know Detroit Tiger stuff, but on the back it has our logo. You know, so they do want to wear that and they want to, you know, use it every single day. It's not, you know, a bottle opener that's gonna go in their, their drawer and maybe they'll use it one day. It's all stuff that they, they get value from and that they, they keep using. Mm -hmm. And so I think that you need to look at every step of that event and see, you know, use our term, is it unreal? You know, was that event un unreal? Something so amazing, it's almost unbelievable. Right, and I think you also, just side note, one of the things that I think a lot of agents make the mistake on is they do an event, and yes, you mingle around and talk to agents, but Jeff actually like gets up on stage and, and gets in front of our clients every 30 minutes yep. during these events. Yeah. And so I think that that's, again, really important for them, to, for everyone to see him. If it's and a if big you event. can't do something like that, if it's a smaller event, it's, it's making sure that you're having a conversation yeah. with every single client who's there. That's right. And yeah. following up afterwards. You know, thank you for coming, making sure that if you guys took pictures during the event, you're sending that out on an email blast and you're sending it out to all of your clients mm -hmm. saying thank you, you know, to those who attended my wine tasting event or whatever yeah. it is. We're having an um, event um, in, is it August? In August where we're... Going, we're renting out the Detroit Zoo. Yeah, we're renting out a portion of the Detroit Zoo, yeah. a thousand person. This will be our biggest client event ever. And we're inviting exchanges and we're, you know, once we've gone through all those, then including also some sphere of influence as well. And with an event like that, the struggle is, with that many people, how are you going to make an impact on a thousand people that are there? And the answer is, no matter what you do when you do an event, especially if it's a big one, you have to have a stage, you have to have a microphone. You know, in, in this, the Tigers event, we have all the TVs, you know, on in the venue, and, you know, I'm on the TV when I'm on stage, and of course you have to give them incentive, for instance, for our zoo event, we're gonna to have to give them incentive to come hang out in that space, right? So every hour we're doing giveaways. So come back and check on us every hour, come get a drink every hour or whatever. You know, Jeff's doing giveaways every hour because you can put on the most amazing event, but if you're not making an impression on your people, yes, you're still doing something good for them, but they also need to see you, right? Mm -hmm. They need to hear from you. And if you're not able to shake everyone's hand and have a conversation, then that's the only way you can do it. I would just add that if your, your current budget doesn't allow for a larger scale event, then let's do smaller events throughout the year. Maybe you do just you know, 20, 30 people, 50 people events, and you do them like once a quarter mm -hmm. or once every other month, so that way you're getting in front of them and it's not costing so much at once. Mm -hmm. yep. Anything else on our event specifically that you think is like definitely something we hit a home run on? I mean, we just, 
you know, milk it. <laughs> you know, we talk about it for, for weeks leading up to it. We talk about it, you know, for two or three weeks after it. Yeah. Um, and no, we that's make, a good point. Yeah. Milk it, right? I mean, you heard some of our, our panelists say there's a lot of value in just them getting the invite, right? A perfect example of milking it, we have a coaching client who I was working with that wanted to do a photo um, client event. And so what I had her do is, every it was in the fall, every family that took um, a set of the, the family photos, she got Christmas cards printed for them, sent them out before Christmas, sent in, like gave it to them as a gift for them to send out to their you know sphere and so forth. Um, had each mom take a picture with just the kids, and she held on to that picture until Mother's Day, got them in frames, and mailed them out as Mother's Day gifts. Hmm. That is one event that now we just came up with two additional value adds for, from that event that we can, again, reach out to clients yep. a second and third time. Yep, love that. That's yep. milking the event as much as you can. Yep. Um, can you share some updates to our, uh, I want to shift gears a little bit. We, we, we shared on the stage a couple years ago our five-star program. Most people are familiar with it. Again, it's in the inner circle. But can you share some things that we've updated? You know, for instance, we went from having us review us in five places to three. We upped the amount of the gift card, right? So can you share some of the updates we've made to that program? Yeah, and I think one of the reasons this actually does tie back to marketing is marketing is only good as your online presence is, right? And part of your online presence is having positive reviews. You know, if you're a heavy marketing agent and then they Google you and you have terrible Google reviews, well, then what was all of that marketing for? Or no reviews at all. Right. And so um, the five-star program is essentially, yes, we did start with five um, places that they had to review us. And we saw that we were getting responses, but we weren't getting the number of responses that we wanted. And we thought it was because we were making them create accounts in too many different places. And so we cut that down to three, and we also decided to bribe them a little bit more with $75 versus $50 yep. on it because, again, we were using a little bit of their time. And so that was one of the biggest things that we did. That so we asked them to review us now in three places instead of five. Why is that? Well, because they're more likely to review you if there's only three places that they have to post the review versus five. Mm -hmm. We also upped the gift card from, say, $50 to Applebee's to say $75 to Applebee's. Now you can buy the entire restaurant. Now they're $75. buying the entire restaurant, right. exactly. So um, that has been a game changer in terms of the percentage of people we ask to review versus the amount of people that actually do. Now you might think, well, gosh, you got to pay them 50 to 75 bucks. That's kind of a lot. Yeah, I but think, think about do. what you can lose if you have a really great lead that goes and Googles you and you don't have positive reviews. Mm -hmm. I rather pay that client $75 for that review than lose a potential $6,000 commission check because my online presence isn't there. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's really important. And just to sum that up, one of the three places we always get asked, where are we sending people right now? Facebook, Google and Zillow. You know, it, obviously buyers are still using it. You heard it yesterday. We were mm -hmm. with the CEOs. Yep. You know, as long as buyers are using it, we, we need to make sure that we're we're yep. looking good on yep. there. So Facebook, Google, and Zillow are the three that we chose to put, post the reviews or have our clients go post those reviews. Anything else on client reviews that we've changed or updated? What about our process in getting them? How many, you know, how our customer service call goes and, and the letter that we send? We've increased the amount of times that we do our customer service calls. So before we previously just called once and then sent out a email survey, now we call four times. Um, and we kind of space it out 
you know, every two weeks we're calling again and trying to get that review. Mm -hmm. And at the end, if we don't get it, we wait like one or two months and then we send something that's a file close email that basically causes the client to think that until they write this review on us, their file is sitting on my desk collecting dust and they need to please write the review so I can get it off of my desk. Close out. And at that point, we normally get about 99% of our clients at that point write a review. But the, the important part is that you get an opportunity to gauge the service with them before you do that. So that way you obviously don't put yourself in a position that you maybe get a six or a seven star rating versus a, a nine or a 10. Yep, awesome. Anything else that was absolutely top of mind that you wanted to talk about? We've got just a couple minutes. We've got to head to the breakouts. No, I think that you know one of the biggest things is, like I said right before this, marketing is only as good as your customer service is, right? So you know you can plaster you know household name on a hundred billboards, but if we're not going to provide the good customer service to back that up, when they call or when they tell their friends that they're working with us they may know someone else that had a terrible experience with us. We don't want that to happen. And so I think it's extremely important if you are going to try to become a marketing-based agent and do these things, you gotta have your operations and your customer service and your processes down first. If you don't have that, you know, we went through that a couple years ago when we started marketing pretty heavily and we had a bunch of leads coming in and we were just churning and burning. Yep. Well, our customer service wasn't there. And yep. so our repeat and referral business, which by the way is the lesser cost mm -hmm. marketing, um, yep. started to tank. Yep. And so I think it's just really important that, you know, yes, you can have a really strong marketing business, but not if your customer service isn't there first. Yep. Awesome. And I know a lot of you have inquired, and we, we announced, I think it was in um, March of this year, our operations, yeah, it was in March this year, our operations mastery program. Taylor Cornfield has been running it because she is now at the helm specifically for JGA. While Taylor Kerrigan is still involved in JGA, she's doing a lot of these other things. But Taylor Cornfield is going to be going on maternity leave soon. So the benefactors of the people that sign up for the next operations mastery program are going to get to work with probably the last time and the only time we'll do this, you're actually going to get to work with Taylor Kerrigan. So she will be the one running the next operations mastery program for our operations people. Or if you have an assistant, I mean, that's probably the number one thing we say, hey, hire an assistant. Don't spend time training the assistant. That's not a good use of your time. Your ROI and your time is spent in front of sellers, in front of buyers. You shouldn't be training your assistant. Hire someone. Doesn't even have to be us, but hire someone to train them. And so that's essentially what operations mastery is. Right? And it's to help an agent who doesn't have an assistant yet and doesn't have any processes. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a singular agent in the room who maybe isn't ready for an assistant yet, but also doesn't think your customer service and your processes and procedures are, you know, exactly to where you want them to be yet, then you should be taking a course like this to kind of, I guess, rip in development all of the things that yep. we did over the years. Yeah. So it's. It's operations, it's customer service, it's everything related to putting systems together for your business, no matter how big it is. All right, let's hear for yep. Taylor Kerrigan. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time to join Jeff and Taylor today on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast. To get started on having an unreal business, take the real estate self-assessment. After you complete the assessment, a member of Glover U will get on a call with you to create an action plan to improve your score go to www.gloveru.com self. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Search for Live Unreal with Glover U on iTunes, Podbean, or Spotify and subscribe today. 
Until next time.